0: I wonder how if, if if like our like audience would be s- surprised not quite as not like like how often we talk but like when we communicate with with each other like during like what things that are going on within our lives would people be surprised by by that like what like what do you mean <laughs> that's the best way to put this <laughs> um
1: put it in the worst way possible our audience yeah. deserves the worst way possible.
0: <laughs> there are there are times when like a couple will express their like love together. Oh, in, I believe I dare we say sacramental ways. I believe you mean coitus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> and we may Most or may people. not
1: text each other the video <laughs> of Andy Sandberg saying I just had sex. <laughs> I do wonder sometimes if people do that in the catholic sphere you know <laughs> you know i do wonder i do wonder if other humans are as depraved as us <laughs> how funny that i was is, i was kind of just is, waiting for you to say that
0: this is from like 3 years ago too I even know before <laughs> It's not like a thing that we do to like. Yeah, this is not a common thing. This is not, yeah, this is not like, like a thing we do to like share on the podcast. Especially not me thing.
1: because I'm getting it regular. Ladies and gentlemen, Catching <laughs> Foxes has been brought to you by Christopher West, Dirty Books About Theology.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's go right to our ad read. Matt Fratt's doing Exodus 90. Good job, buddy. Number one, screw Matt Fred.
1: Join the Nazarite, Nazarite Challenge, challenge November. November,
0: and you can get ten percent off with the discount code Catching Foxes. Catching Foxes. Catholic Catholic palm. Palm. Catching Foxes. Catching Foxes. You can get your own Catching Foxes scent. Yeah. Catching You can get Fox Bait, which is
1: beard balm for our show. That's right. So if you enter Catching Foxes and when you're checking out as a promo code, you get ten percent off. How awesome is that? But they're also doing the Nazarite Challenge. Uh, It's also for men and women. It's not No Shave November. Uh, It's using No Shave November to kind of do this. But Nazarite Nazarite Challenge Challenge November. November, 30-day challenge for both men and women. And this year they got, like, really great people to do uh, little reflections on virtuous living. Luke is doing next week's. I'm doing the last week's. And it's all on the cardinal virtues. They have women doing um, theirs. Our friends from Eden Invitation are a part of it. So, yeah, very excited.
0: Yes, it's good. Go buy it. That's, that's my part of the ad.
1: That's that's the right right. Catholicbalm.co. Uh,
0: pollen, Pollen everywhere.
1: Can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah. Do you think, well, okay, so you had asked a question when we had Christopher West on. I meant to keep following up with you on it, and I forgot. You said there is a generation that can tend to uh, make an idol out of theology of the body. What did you mean by that?
0: Baby boomers. Out of theology of the body? Yeah, I think there's this, I've, I, I have noticed this thing with a lot of p- people of that age group who will think that if people just knew the, the truth of this or, th- or if they were exposed to this, it would solve all of our problems. Do you feel like it's baby boomers or Gen Xers? Um, I blame everything
1: on baby boomers, <laughs> so let's go with baby boomers. <laughs> we always forget about you, Gen Xers.
0: Right, Elizabeth yeah. Ricard? <laughs> Listen, they did give us the smashing pumpkin. So for that we are grateful. They gave us both smashing pumpkins and Sheryl Crow. Mm. And oh gosh, who's the one that I was uh who's uh she she does the piano cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Not not um Lisa Loeb. Uh it Smells Like. You remember?
1: Teen, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know that. That sounds oh, awesome. Oh, oh, dude,
0: it is okay. Keep on talking i want to find this
1: hey ladies and gentlemen i want to take a moment to tell you about every sacred sunday that's right every sacred sunday is now shipping i pre-ordered my own copy for my wife even though i forgot that they are sending me a free copy but that's for me so uh, every sacred sunday is a wonderful companion to the readings of every sunday and every holy day of obligation i literally take mine to mass every week the wonderful women at every Sacred Sunday, have really created a beautiful resource, and you can go buy it online right now. It's going to make your Sundays a whole lot better. When you walk in, and you're not playing Catholic bingo with the readings, don't show up at Mass without having done the readings. And then all of Mass comes alive because you have the Gospel reading and the the collects and all that stuff. They're pulled from that, so the whole thing from beginning to end comes alive. So every Sacred Sunday, check it out. They have two. Different uh books this year. I think you'll love them if you give them a chance. Awesome, original artwork, all that stuff throughout. God bless, Luke.
0: Who is it for? Every sacred Sunday. Is that is that a is that a sponsor that we got? They're like friends that I love, and you told me oh, to nice. you told me to say something when you were gone, so I panicked. Oh, good. Ooh. No, 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 no. Uh, that is fine uh, Okay, so I don't want to play it because of the feedback I'm going to get Because uh, I have all my audio going through my headphones But can you play it on your computer I just uh, I just uh, sent it to you as a text as a text. Oh, Tori to Amos Tori Amos It is so freaking beautiful Okay It's so good With the lights on It's as dangerous entertain us i feel stupid and contagious here we are now entertain us yeah so good
1: tori amos is
0: i don't remember a lot of her other stuff but i remember it being good i i'm kind of into this stuff like right now This like mid-90s like piano stuff tori amos
1: is awesome she was She was really interesting. She's like a weirdo eccentric artist kind of thing, but she made Yeah. She has such an amazing voice I remember she had a book. (laughs) This is such a weird story, but Tori Amos had a book that she published, and it was mostly like images of her, as all celebrities must do, and it was um, she had like interesting quotes and thoughts and stuff that went along with the images and one of them was her, and I want to say she was like scantily clad, but she wasn't known for that as like an artist. But, uh, and it just said, <laughs> this is the 90s, right? It just said, like, Jesus, they say, was a virgin, that he never touched a woman and remained pure, right? And whenever you hear like people who aren't Christian like talk about purity and you're like, okay, whatever. Okay. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then her comment was, why? What is it about touching a woman that makes a man impure? And I was like, that has nothing to do with anything but that's when you start to realize like there's a totally different world that views sex in a totally different way than you do oh chubby
0: little homeschooler <laughs> who has catholic boy that you put on your <laughs> on your truck huh. uh you know who i've been getting into um lately is annie defranco oh really I freaking love Annie DeFranco's. Like, I am going this weird like phase where I'm starting to just get into like a lot of like not like the not, like the big like '90s bands, but like that like next tier. Yeah. So your Andy DeFranco's. Uh, I think who else? Of course, now I'm drawing a blank on you know like on uh, anyone else, but um, yeah, so good. So, anyways, uh, thanks gen x for any defranco and and uh tory amos um dude can well, i can I, I tell you what i'm into musically right now yeah 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 yeah. yeah. do it okay i don't know if this is
1: just a sign of the times but i'm into lyricalist music that sounds like it was made in the 80s
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice go on so
1: there's a band called time cop oh gosh i gotta get this right i think it's time time cop 1984 and they just make, like, heavy synthesizer music. 1983, Night Drive. So if you have Apple Music or Spotify, Time Cop, Time Cop, 1983, Night Drive. It's How did you hear about that? Instrumental division. So there's my, my favorite podcast of all time. Well, okay. It's the same guy, CGP Grey. He's on one called Cortex, which is more about, like, work and life and productivity. And another one called Hello Internet, which is arguably the best podcast of all time i personally think it is the best podcast of all time uh so cgp gray uh and in in cortex talking with mike hurley we're talking about what music do you listen to in the background while you work and they've had this fascinating discussion and both of them listen to tycho awake and tycho does they have just some great music and awake is like their most highly recommended Another one's called Night Call by Kravinsky and it was a it's a weird song but it has that 80s vibe to it and I'm not an 80s fan I just love ever since um what's that show on Netflix with the the Stranger Things? Yeah. I love synthesizer stuff. <laughs> so words kind of distract me when I'm working but when I am when I am writing essays when I am I writing that. things. Yeah. So I wrote this thing for Patreon kind of coming full circle. I had the Tycho Awake song just on an endless loop. And I love That's it. Awesome. I love I love stuff like that where it's mind not mindless, but um the lyricless so my brain doesn't get distracted, but at the same time my brain's not getting distracted by the noise kind of going on at my church office or whatever, my kids going crazy here at home or whatever. Yeah. Or my wife that's trying she- to bond, you know, with the yakety-yak-yak. Yeah. Yak. No. Oh, gosh. I get
0: it. You want to be
1: be close and have an intimate relationship. I get it. You want to be held. Well, guess what? I want to be let go. Am I right? <laughs> I'm going to get a beer.
0: <laughs> I want to direct this little pixel character on what he should be doing. <laughs> it's 8-bit, and that means it's awesome.
1: Nice. Yeah. Um, so that's it. That's it.
0: That's cool. yeah so I between
1: like all three lord of the rings books and the hobbit and <laughs> 80s synthesizer music
0: that's all i've listened to <laughs> lately oh nice i've been uh so we got rid of spotify because again we're about to we're gonna be buying a house so we just you're going all out man to, look at you yeah, yeah. even though it's like let's just ten dollar things yeah yeah you know because it's just you know like you take you do like three or four like five of those that adds up pretty quickly so uh uh, we got rid of Spotify, which has been horrible. Uh, both, <laughs> I wanted to like both. Both like Aaron and I are like, oh my gosh, I miss Spotify so much. Um, <laughs> all right, I guess we're going to use Pandora with ads, <laughs> <I> know, <it's laughs> like oh, peasants. <laughs> well, it sucks because with like Spotify now, I can't like. It's just pretty much all playlist and radio. I do remember back in the day before you, you could pay. I mean, like before, we, like you didn't really like have to pay. You could play songs. Yeah, you just only had like a limited amount of times so you could like skip and now i can't even do that so i'm like oh this sucks this terrible yeah so i really don't, i couldn't tell you like what i've been, i mean I, I um so i can't tell my like like what i've been listening to or like my most like listened to songs that's okay
1: uh, isn't it funny oh. how we have access to 30 million songs but we kind of have no control
0: <laughs> i know right it's weird it's almost like it's we. It's it's like almost like both the downloading stuff. So it's so in like a weird way. It's almost like the record labels and the downloading companies, like apps, whatever. Everyone lost, and Spotify won. Well, and Apple Music. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, do is yeah. is it really that big? Apple
1: Music. Yeah. Yeah. You forget that those Spotify might have done and and still does, you know, some people just prefer it. Um, Apple Music has the install base of millions of iPhones that is seamlessly connected to Siri. And when I say, hey, Siri, play romantic music like I did today, and my phone just went (laughs) off, uh, that it's seamless, (laughs) right? That's what you're fighting. You're fighting the lack that Spotify you have to download and oh, I've heard of these music things. You just pay a low fee and you get a million songs. Actually, it's thirty million dollars, and that low fee is nine dollars per person or fourteen dollars per household. So I say all that because you have it's frictionless with Apple. So yeah, Apple Apple and Apple Music and uh Spotify the only competitors out there now. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Sorry, Google Play. But Spotify ate, I mean, seriously, Spotify ate yeah. up Google Plays. I mean, they can't compete with them.
0: No. Man, I've almost been on, I've been with Spotify since 2011. That's crazy. Seven years. It's longer than- I remember because it was first in Europe. I remember yeah. hearing about it, being like, oh, I want this. I, and as soon as I heard that it was out, I jumped on the chance. Well, you know, like okay. in the
1: States, we had like Rhapsody and stuff like that. That was yeah, a was pioneer first. and everyone hated it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, uh okay, we should get to the listener question stuff. Ooh, great okay. you, you don't want to get to my or you want fancy to... article? Okay. Do you want to talk about you want to talk about your No, let's do the listener article? questions, and if we have anything
1: left over, we can do the other stuff.
0: Uh no, I think there could be some people who like want to hear it.
1: Okay. Well, um so someone sent me an article recently and by someone I mean Brian Jones, the Thomist, um that I work with. He sent me an article called uh by Father Dwight Longnecker, who's a pretty conservative author. On the two Jesuits. And the idea of the article is. In the 16th century. The foundation of the Jesuit order. You had these hardcore. Ultra orthodox men. Who were God's company. right? God's soldiers for the papacy. And all that stuff. But then in the 1700s. Where most of their battles were fought in France. Against the Jansenists. Who were moral rigorists. Fanatically morally. Or whatever. They. They. they took a more liberal turn. And this is something that, when I started reading this article, it made me connect to a bunch of stuff, and I want your feedback on this, Luke. So the thing that it connected the most with me was, so in the article it talks, it has this quote from Hilaire Belloc, Catholic English uh, writer. Belloc. Yeah, where Hilaire says essentially, uh, did you say that like Balrog from Gandalf? Uh-huh. Nice. Balrog. Yeah, I always thought, he said that weird. <laughs> um, but uh, Hilaire Belloc basically says there's this, this like, desire for evangelization and the acceptance of the church. And in this particular case, Hilaire Belloc, as a historian, is talking about the 17th century Jesuits, saying that through their sympathy and other stuff with worldly people, their goal was, above all, to maintain the unity of the church, but at, you know, too high a price, right? So they were known as moral laxus. And there was a whole bunch of, like, political stuff that went in, but Father Dwight's article basically says, and that's one of the reasons why they were, the Jesuit order was suppressed for a, a time. Not nearly the only reason. There's a whole bunch of stuff. but And immediately, because I'm obsessed with Reformed Christianity, I read a, a, one of the most brilliant books I think every Christian should read on the face of the earth, Catholic or no, um, H. Rich, uh, Reinhold Niebuhr's Christ and Culture. And we've talked about it before, and no one really gets connected to it like I am. But um, he talks about how the Gnostics were called, basically it was like this Christ and culture view, where the culture is great and Christ is right there alongside the culture affirming its affirmations. And um, he talks about how, the, how Gnosticism of its day was like what global warming or evolution is, right? It's like if you don't accept it, you're an idiot. Right? Gnosticism was there's a good God, there's a bad God. The good God's pure spirit, the bad God's pure matter. And how hard it was for Christians to reject Gnosticism. Because you couldn't be a Christian and reject it. Then this article brought up a quote from Reformed pastor and theologian R.C. Sprawl, who said, all heresy, as G.K. Chesterton once said, all heresy is like a single truth exaggerated, you know? So like... Yeah. You affirm Christ's divinity, but you not his humanity. Mm-hmm. You affirm his humanity, yeah. but not his divinity. And then he says, he says, I'd go one step further. I'd say almost all heresies in the church are born from a heart of evangelization. Wherein you're Ooh. right. And he says, it's you're trying to make the gospel appealing to people in the world so you might win them for Christ. And he, R. C. Sprawl, connected that to um uh gnosticism and i was like oh hey so i'm watching this like a year ago and i'm or six months ago and i'm like oh wow that's just like reinhold Niebuhr's whole point in in the book um christ and culture where he says this is christ and culture christ like comes alongside culture not christ against culture which is the world's going to hell in a handbasket and christianity is defined as like the abandonment of the world no here's the good stuff that the world's doing it was really fascinating the way he said it. He said, come on, think about it. Like you're you're saying like you define what the essentials are to yourself and then you say I'm going to evangelize the world and I'm only going to compromise on what I think are the non-essentials. And that really hit me because when I began looking at Father James Martin and all the controversy that he's doing, You know, I I mean, we had Father James Martin on the show. He's very weird. You know, we talked about how, you know, he has this very, like, kind of traditional spirituality, Our Lady of Lords and stuff like that. But then Mm -hmm. at the same time, like, we talked about this before. He seems to go right, very consciously goes right up to the line, hangs over it, but doesn't necessarily cross it. And so one of the things that bothered me about his Building Bridges book with the LGBT community in the church was – the only catholics he would emphasize are those who are distinctly at odds with the church's teaching right so he doesn't talk about courage or eden invitation which he should he doesn't talk about he talks about this other group i can't remember knew something and yeah, yeah. and people have confronted him they're like why don't, like there was some interview recently where, like well what about groups like courage and he just like gets very like straight faced and says well that's another option and then doesn't talk about it again. He, and now, this is what I realize. When you accommodate what you think are non-essentials, so he, wants, he advocates changing the catechism from saying intrinsically disordered to differently disordered about homosexual acts, not desires, but acts, right? He, like, most people would say, well, that's not, like, a big deal. Like, intrinsically, differently, like, yeah, it's not as precise, but it's also not, like, evil. You know, you're not saying... But see, that's the point of accommodation. That's that Gnostic impulse, which is like, well, if we just, we, if we, it's misplaced missionary zeal. If we just water down this one area, not mention this one area, change our language, I'm not changing the teaching, I'm just changing the language, brah. He's he, like, that's the whole idea is like, well, we're losing. In the end, you know, if you say differently ordered, then you've annihilated the meaning of sexual activity. And so I'm starting to see these, like, crazy-ass connections for my own faith and my own life. And then I realize him building a bridge and emphasizing what can only be called heterodox views of homosexuality coexisting in the life of the church, he's building a wall around groups like courage, right? Right? If he's saying these groups who are are gay-affirming in every way, shape, and form, those who are celibate for the sake of the kingdom of heaven— because they know they have these same-sex desires like he's 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 basically saying they're wrong and that you shouldn't follow them these are heroic
0: people right yeah yeah no yeah um i'm thinking well i mean this, this is my deal like when you begin
1: to water and and it's i'm not just saying water down the gospel Like I think Father James Martin really wants every gay person to believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and receive Holy Communion, but I don't think he wants, and this is me, right, but just from what I've seen of him, and he's a public figure, so we're allowed to talk about public figures, but my sense is he, by only emphasizing groups that refuse to emphasize and contradict church teaching, I think he's making a stand that his view of same-sex people becoming Catholic is that they, you know, get gay married and, or, you know, ma- you know, like, that the church comes along and accepts it. It's not the other way around,
0: that they accept the church and change their life. And Do you think... I'm yeah. oh, sorry. No, 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 go. Do you think what he could be doing is by trying to emphasize those groups, he's saying, these are the people I'm trying to build a bridge to. And so w- when you take a group like courage. And and I'm 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 just I'm just trying to work this all out. So don't think that I'm saying that like right, right. you're wrong and he's right. This is not what this is not what I'm saying. So hold off on like all the emails everyone. Uh, <laughs> Discussion. um <laughs> yeah yeah uh uh please allow us to just like have some thoughts. Um by and I know the like uh I mean I, I am so impressed with everything I've heard about courage i know a lot of people who are um who are um involved with it both as either a uh you know yeah i just i think it's great i think it's very very great is he not trying to like emphasize them because they're catering to a a specific crowd if 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 that makes sense like the people who are kind of all bought in on the church's teachings and he's and he's trying to build a bridge. So like so like so, the bridge he's trying to build, it's coming from the church and going to whom? Um, like is he trying to do a thing where he's trying to like build a bridge from the church to the two, you know, LGBTQ Catholics who are apart or have ties or. Would feel the same way as these groups feel.
1: So well, so this is what I put in my article,
0: and it's for free on anyone who wants to go
1: on Patreon. But um I said, I have a lot of appreciation for someone like Father James Martin trying to do what he's doing, but he's wrong. He's building a bridge to all the wrong people, such as those who openly refuse to live according to the church teaching. And by doing that, okay. he's building a wall around the heroic few. Who are striving to engage in things like spiritual friendship, community, meaningful life, and sanctity while living with same-sex desires and attractions? He fails to see the damage his ministry does to those sympathetic with. He is sympathetic with and towards. So I have no doubt. You know, I mean, he cryptically said someone asked him, "Well, you're gay," and he's like, "My order has asked me not to comment on my sexuality." So maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. I, I could care less. My idea is. Why does he emphasize, like, he doesn't even mention courage. And it almost seems when I've, you know, in these interviews, it almost seems like offensive to him to tell gay men and women to be celibate for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, and so I, I like the 17th century Jesuits who were, you know, like whatever, like this is what I think Pope Francis is doing in so many ways that um, people don 't understand I think pope francis is is tends to be very left wing in a lot of what in especially in america we would we would call those you know like global warming and whatnot um, but the idea for him is like he 's trying to re- and I would say this to people all the time he 's trying to reach out to people who would not accept the gospel in any way shape or form, right and he 's trying to say mm-hmm. because they have weird objections or whatever. So, for instance, and I'm going to bring up this intentionally. Someone in our Patreon commented on this. uh, A priest did, and I have one of my 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 best friend, Chris Miller. Uh, Have you heard of him? Uh, He uh, (laughs) Uh, Chris. He my uh, yeah. My friend did not care for Pope Francis, especially this comment where he said Catholics aren't supposed to multiply like rabbits. Do you remember that? yeah
0: yeah yeah. yeah.
1: right so to me that wasn't controversial because it reflected Humane Vitae which talks about the legitimate spacing of children not just the condemnation of contraception and I feel like some people kind of downplay that there are some times when it's important to space children right and it seems like Mm -hmm. there's a certain group of Mm -hmm. people like have as many babies as possible all the time and I'm not doubting generosity towards God when it comes to kids right But I am saying that there is an appropriate rational means of spacing, right? And our culture has adopted one. Well, Pope Francis said, you know, like, and the context was interesting. It was a woman who has had eight kids or seven kids, and her life was kind of on the line. And he told her, as Catholics, we're not called to multiply like rabbits. And it was a line that I know that secular people say, I mean, frick, it's in uh, Civil War, Marvel Civil War. Where he says they were multiple, they were growing like Catholic rabbits or something like that. Like that's mm-hmm. a well-known statement because Catholics condemn contraception. So we have more babies. Um, but so I thought here is Pope Francis defanging that objection and kind of throwing it with a sense of like, yes, secular people, I know you say this, and it's just not true. Okay, so that's one thing, but the the dangerous thing is you know when you're accommodating the world, when you have to I'll just be rude and say it. When you have to shit on your own people in order to do it, right? Like, that's never, yeah, that's that, never a yeah. good sign. So when you're yeah. shitting on courage. That's a, good, that's a good point. Right. That's what I'm talking about. When you're shitting on courage who are heroically trying to live the gospel, who have renounced all for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, right, who I think, I mean, like, I honestly, I tell people this all the time. There, uh, there's a reason why I support Eden Invitation because I think these women are heroic models of sanctity. Oh, yeah. And, Absolutely. And they ha- they're fighting battles with their very desires that, you know, like we, you know, us heterosexuals, right? When people are struggling with, you know, same sex attraction, what do we say? Well, it's like, well, you know, adultery is wrong and pornography, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, pornography is one thing. But you're very, the reason why you look at pornography is because you have a sexual desire for the opposite sex. They have a sexual desire for the same sex that they're always around, right? So the idea is these are people heroically sacrificing, carrying their cross, doing this stuff that their entire culture, if they want to go gay, shames them. Oh, you're backwards, you're stupid, you're self hating. It has nothing but the worst negative terms to say unless you find that very narrow niche that, you know, groups like Courage. So, this is what I'm saying is, There were a lot of people that were not me who were deeply offended by Pope Francis saying that. Now, my best friend happens to have eight kids and his wife's life, not on the line, but her physical health was, and they chose to do this. But there is this notion that you're accommodating the spirit of the world. I'm not saying Pope Francis is doing that. I'm saying it gave people that impression. You're accommodating the world when you have to downplay holiness the gospel the moral law in order to build that bridge that's where i would say you've gone too far now there have been plenty of times where i'm talking to hardcore left-wing people who are really struggling to believe in jesus because it seems to them the only people who believe in jesus are hardcore right-wing people that they want nothing to do with you Mm -hmm. you know you who would jesus bomb and all that stuff right so these are the same people who are like, "Why do you want to deprive people of health care? Would Jesus do that?" And you know what I mean so there's there's an element of like mm-hmm. accompanying those type of people who are mm-hmm. you, where you notice that like yeah there's there's plenty of wiggle room here in our
0: ideology, <laughs> you know like yeah, like you' and like you have really challenged me on that in a good way that the Orthodoxy 10 is much bigger than what we probably imagine it to be sorry yeah no no no. i'm glad please interrupt me like i'm
1: because i know like i deal with people like like just take immigration i live in freaking texas i live in houston right um the idea of I, i i run a spanish ministry and i don't even speak spanish right the the reality of multiculturalism and all that stuff i mean that in a good way of having many cultures like you have to have profound respect And when you find politicians who are just, like, dismissive. Like, I feel like Trump is so dismissive towards Hispanics that it repulses me. Especially his most vocalness was in the campaign. I don't watch the news anymore. I know the caravan. He said, you know, crazy things about the caravan. Whatever. Like, I don't even understand the whole caravan thing. But um, he has risen to popularity on hostility, in one sense, on hostility to immigrants. And so... My whole thing is, like, there is, I mean, there is no doubt about it. If you oppress an immigrant, a sojourner, or a widow in your land, you are doing grave evil. You know, <laughs> like, that is that is in Scripture, like, 20 or 30 times. But at the same time, a nation has a right to protect its own borders, right? So this is the mm-hmm. part that there's wiggle room where you can talk about this stuff, you know. And so my big thing is, like, there's actually a lot more room than we give our faith credit for sometimes. But at the same time, when there's not wiggle room, it's usually on those issues that the world has embraced
0: that would piss a lot of people off. Yeah. And I, I think, um, going back to the Father yeah, James Martin thing, so I do not want to say, I, I would imagine... Most of these people that we are to talk about would agree with me, but I do not want to speak for them, so this is just like a Luke Carey thing, that perhaps in his mind, mm-hmm. he doesn't bring up courage because that is the heroic high road. That is, that is like the highest thing that one can do. And should that be what we preach to LBGTQ individuals? who
1: have no faith and i would say 100 yes just like we tell high hormonal high school students that they are called to chastity and do, is, is chastity harder for a gay man or a lesbian woman or a bisexual or transgender person is it harder to be chaste than it is for a high school student maybe in some ways if there's compulsion and you know whatever attached to it but There is the demands of the gospel, and then on top of the demands of the gospel, there are heroic witnesses to those demands. And there is us saying, here's the ideal, let's walk with you to that ideal. But you can't then say, here's a group that rejects the ideal, denies the moral command, says that the church one day will change, and we're actively lobbying it to and they're the ones, they're the only ones we'll talk about. See, that's the false move. I'm not saying, like, I I, mean, I have friends that do mission work um, to gay male prostitutes in Chicago, right? My, my assistant Mary did that. These men are not loved anonymously by some guy writing an op-ed in the Washington Post. They were loved by a woman who came to them, who bought them coffee, who sat down and actually treated them like a human being, who called them on to christ like holiness, just change the tone and put it to heterosexual couples who are living in an in an invalid marriage yeah I, am I supposed to say, listen guys, we like I would say this there our culture today does not give a crap about marriage like it's user definable, but we don't, so this is the last time I taught my class uh, of Protestants becoming Catholic, inclusion, on contraception, most of them had never heard of a negative thing from a Christian, anything about contraception. So I said, if this is your first time hearing this, I want you to know something. This is very difficult, but this is the heroic life that Christ is calling you to. That's why before you can be a disciple, he says, if any man would be a disciple of mine, not a heroic person, but a disciple, he must... Deny himself take up his cross and follow me.
0: But, yeah. I agree with you, but does it have to always be so black and white? What do you mean by this is, So this is what I'm saying is
1: you accompany the people where they are. But the moment you, this is the point, is the moment you deny, this isn't like heroicism, Luke. Like, it's not heroic to save sex for marriage. I mean, if, it feels like it in our culture. But that's the basic moral demand. So are you saying, like, you can be very understanding towards teenagers who lose their virginity and don't even know what chastity Mm -hmm. is. And you can present Mm -hmm. chastity all wrong. Like, hopefully one of these hosts that we're going to, or guests that we're going to have on soon, we can talk about this. But there, I mean, just think about it in terms of heterosexuality, right? So is it wrong for when we talk about pornography to tell them that it's wrong? Because no, ninety five percent yeah, yeah. of the people are looking at porn.
0: But if, if there's like so I, I guess um I'm not okay, so I'm not trying to say that it's wrong right. to like talk about this stuff. I'm I'm just saying that I, I think a lot about um about and and this could just and again and again this was, this was just the Pope being being speculative. But the whole but like like the like the whole like Benedict thing about um how if you have like a male mm-hmm. yeah. prostitute in Africa, for example, or this is or like you a male know, prostitute
1: tra- with AIDS cares yeah. about no one other than himself,
0: but yeah. then his
1: slowly what's a sign that he starts caring about other
0: people? He wears a condom. Yeah, yeah. And that could be seen as like, like as like like virtuous act. Yeah. Or, or well
1: it, no, no, no. no 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 not a no. virtuous act. So yeah,
0: I don't want to I don't, I don't like
1: a for the first time it's him th- it's not a selfless act but for the first time it's him thinking about other people
0: yeah right so, it's, so, so the it's, idea it's the scenario
1: a- is every time he has sex with someone he is at risk of giving them aids so but he doesn't care because he hates himself he hates his life he hates everyone else or whatever but then the idea is but then as christ starts, grace starts moving in this person's soul Maybe the first act of that movement is he wears a condom, and he protects his sexual partners from
0: getting AIDS. Right, mm-hmm. and I, I, I guess, and I, and I guess my whole point is that I know that's an extreme example, yeah. But I do think that we live in extreme times, yeah. And so and they call for extreme measures, but <laughs> ciao. <Pachow>! Um, <laughs> so Pachow. I wonder, yeah. If uh, going and I I, I, I hate to put it because like yeah, th- yeah. I, this doesn't mean that I'm a, that I'm like against courage or anything like that in the slightest or like trying to preach heroic virtue, but it's um, it's kind of like like I, are we trying to ask too much out of people for like where they are because it is so extreme now. So, let me put it this way. So, I mean, that's a great
1: thing. It's like telling uh, a teenagers, and this is the article from the woman that hopefully we'll have on, Abigail, um, that uh, it's like chastity for in evangelical purity culture and, you know, maybe studentville Youth Conferences and other, you know, like, stuff in the 90s and 2000s. Everything in purity culture was placed on virginity, right? And then when a teenager lost their virginity, yeah. they lost everything, right? Like... Well, you know, and in the Catholic Church, obviously, we talked about born again virginity and blah, blah, blah. But that was mm-hmm. the idea. And it was like, you are perfect. Just don't lose it, which is not at all Catholic theology. Catholic theology is you're fallen. You have to train yourself in these things called the virtues. So this is what, okay, so this is what's great about courage is, and this is what I feel like maybe we're, we're missing on this understanding. Courage is just the gospel, for men and women who have LGBT, you know, views or desires, but it's just the gospel. They yeah, yeah. accompany you from wherever you are to mm-hmm. that great, the great horizon of Christ's life. Right? Like, so we can't just say, like, well, this is what courage is. Courage is offering the ideal of chastity for life because you have same sex desires, and there's no such thing as gay marriage in the Catholic Church. Non sacramental. You know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Ergo, vis-a-vis, if you can't conform to this ideal, you're not a part of courage. No, the whole point of courage is—I v- shouldn't say the whole point of courage. I'm not a member of courage. I've never been to a chapter meeting. so. But from what I can tell, it's it's accompaniment, to use Francis's language, towards virtue. So it is for the broken. It is for the—but uh, that well, doesn't no. mean you stop— I mean, Jesus said only the pure of heart will see God. So you can't then say, yeah, but it's really hard to be pure of heart. So.
0: No, but th- that's not what I'm saying. But, like, I'm saying, like, if um, – is that the only thing when it comes to this we should be preaching?
1: No, and I, that's what I'm saying is that's not what courage does. That's what we're no, doing in this conversation.
0: I'm not talking about them. Oh, okay. I'm just saying, like um, – People who use them as the example, yeah, okay, of saying like this is this is your only option, or or like this is what we should be advocating is justice. And again, I'm not, I'm truly yeah. not saying that's what. Like, I'm just trying to like unpack all of this, okay, okay. you know. So, yeah. um, like I don't like I. Okay, so I would tend to agree with you on all your stuff about uh, for Father James Martin. I would add that. When we had him on the show, I thought he was very nice. Yeah, he was very great. kind. I, I yeah did not like, he was a so I, I get a little bit annoyed with people who um I, don't know, I just I'm like he's not a mean or cruel person. So anyways, um, Stalin was great
1: to all of his friends. <laughs> I remember <laughs> one time someone said that they're like you know Stalin wasn't a, a wonderful violinist and was great to all of his friends. I was like yeah, but he murdered like half of them. It's like yeah, well they weren't his friends anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. And so I'm I'm wondering like if you is it if um what am I trying to say here?
1: What you're trying to say is von Balthazar and Vows is greater than Aquinas <laughs> and missionary discipleship.
0: Exactly. This is the kind of crap that just like goes through my head because like yeah. I just um I desperately want to do what is right. Um is like yeah, but Luke, it's too hard to do what's right. So you should just do what you want that's not what i'm saying but that's what i mean why is it always those two extremes of like and like i I just think that there's gotta be some type of like sometimes you just have to start with like start where people are at
1: and work with them so what you're describing i think what you're describing is what we call gradualism it's the acknowledgement that human beings are far from consistent creatures and even when we try to be consistent we tend to take a really long freaking time on that road to consistency. And so mm-hmm. there's this notion of in in Catholic morality called gradualism, which essentially holds that like yeah, you shouldn't tell an alcoholic that drunkenness is a mortal sin, not necessarily, because they can't abide by that. They're they're so overcome with this addiction that for you to walk up to them and to begin to make like to tell them where maybe they had invincible ignorance and now be like well you know every time you get drunk it's a mortal sin and they're like what you know and maybe they want to be a better person but they're just not there yet in their addiction and their imprisonment (laughs) so there is this thing called gradualism which says like that that acknowledges what i tell my inclusion people this is not between you and me i just provide the classes your conversion is between you and god I'm just here to make sure you're not sitting on any fence and your objections are answered. Like, that's my role. So when it comes to things like same-sex attraction or any morality, and it's always about morality. It's Mm -hmm. rarely about faith, but sometimes it is. Uh, My whole thing is, like, you can't take a position of accommodation when it jeopardizes the gospel and but you can journey with people in their walking the gospel that's why you know Sherry Waddell has that great line never accept a label in place of a story
0: like get yeah them, but yeah but how but like, that's what like I, yeah. like I agree but I think more often than not like people demand heroic like virtue from the get go yeah and I, and like that's like that is my problem. Oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is yeah I'm no not I, I would about 100% agree with you there and like that's and so like i'm not because i think like you can easily say to a person who is you know let's just i'm gonna use this as the as like the overall example lbgdq who's Plus. like hearing the gospel message and is, like okay i'm like willing to like walk down this road I just don't think the answer is to be like. And here is the first courage meeting. Perhaps it is, but per, you know, like, per, per, perhaps it is. But I, I think for a lot of people, the answer just becomes it's. It's almost and like, I don't want to. I don't want to get into the details. This is just going to be this like other. Yeah. Is like other it, example is if you like have a couple who you know wants to like come into the church this is like probably the whole issue with with like like maurice uh, 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 like with like a with like a um, more like lite or like yeah or whatever um, maurice yeah that you know if they um to just i think to expect them to go from um being together perhaps they have like a kid or two to now you can't have sex at all like to to go from like like from like where you are to like that overnight would be i don't know if that's like realistic yeah is that is that is is that that now can you like walk people into that yes but i think more often than not our our little like you know catholic uh catholic bubble we're in tends to oh, demand too much out out of like out of like people which is why when we do a lot of these like what we do like a lot of these uh, talks on like trying to on, like you know like to kids about not having sex until they you know get married we don't ever we don't ever i'm talking about like well like what do you do if you're going too far or if a girl says no you know or like kind of all that yeah, stuff we don't talk about like,
1: consent and yeah we it's just either assume just pure abstinence yeah.
0: yeah and it's like well there's there's like there's like an ebb and flow to this stuff that you even see in the gospels of like people going back and forth and back and like Christ constantly trying to like call them on, you know. And but he does like meet them. I don't know. I I I just feel like we want everyone to be like in our camp, which is good. But we go too far too fast, and I I think that's where we make it's it's like yeah, almost like those weird uh combinations that people make when it comes to the faith that you were like I'm talking about earlier i i experienced that all the time i feel like within the like orthodox camp there's this other thing to almost be too hard
1: yeah yeah okay so there is a you know debate kind of what i hinted at with the jesuits between moral laxity and moral rigorism there is an element where you can be you're proposing an ideal and then demanding the ideal now Right. Like, I think a lot of us fail when it comes to something like purity. Like, you can't say that purity doesn't exist for the Christian. Right. If you say that, you are a liar. Okay. And you are presenting a false gospel and you will be separated Mm -hmm. for all eternity from Jesus Christ because you Mm -hmm. watered, you that's, I mean, this is not. Like, this is not a game we can play with the gospel. St. Paul is very clear. If you propose a false gospel, you are anathema, right? Those are St. Paul's words in Galatians, right? You have proposed, you are, uh, St. Paul literally invented the phrase false brethren, okay, because of exactly people who water down or alter the gospel. So we need to be very careful. Now, the moral demands of the church are a part of the gospel, okay? And, When I am bringing people into the, so this is not an abstract thing for me. This is something that I am confronted with literally every week, if not every day. I have these conversations that you're talking about with people all the time. So when people want to become Catholic and they're divorced and remarried and their current spouse is not in the eyes of the church, a spouse, I have to have the conversation about annulment and convalidation and all of those things to and and I can tell you this people who transfer from other parishes those parishes out of fear are not having those conversations with people and they're baptizing people or they're uh, sacramentalizing giving the profession of faith and confirmation holy communion to baptized protestants who are in adulterous unions Jesus is the one that came up with the standard Not Michael Gormley Not Pope Gregory the Great in the 500s Not Pope John Paul When he penned the theology of the body And he said you know what let's make it really hard Let's show what like moral superheroes we are Right The this is Jesus invented these demands Of chastity And so the church has abided by him In pain Like I can't tell you I mean I literally have hung up Have had the phone hung up on me And I have wept in my office crying over the fact that I, you know, people are like, yeah, you know, I've been married three times. My husband's been married three times, but we really just want to come into the church this Easter. And well, you can't, you got to go through this thing called an annulment and, oh, that's bullshit. You just make that to make money. And, you know, and I patiently explain, I'm like, listen, listen, I'm not like, come in, let's talk. Like, I am willing to Mm -hmm. walk with people for a decade. You know, like I have walked with people for two years over this stuff. So let's say you have a validly married couple, and one's becoming Catholic, and then they learn about the church's teaching on contraception. I tell them point blank, like, like, listen, I know this is hard, and if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it some more. And, but I always tell them, but this is, this is what you're agreeing to when you're saying, I, I believe and profess all that the Holy Catholic Church teaches, believes, and proclaims to be revealed by God. Like, this is a part mm-hmm. of the deposit of faith. You can't separate it. And my, like, like, I agree. I agree 100% with what you said. There are plenty of times where we as Catholics who kind of have bought in and are more advanced in spiritual maturity demand that level of spiritual maturity out of everyone. And I think that's bullshit, and especially morally. And, you know, Bishop Barron talks about that where it's like we're talking about the infield fly rule, someone who doesn't know the game of baseball. And I do think it's about proposing the charisma and letting them see who Christ is and all this stuff but you know there's this great um catholic moral uh moral theologian named livio molina he teaches out in rome and he says one of the things that catholic priests do is they hide the moral teachings from catholics by only focusing on the kerygma and so you're saying like come believe in jesus
0: but i'm not going to tell you the type of life he wants you to live like what that means yeah and 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 like again, I don't want I don't anyone right. to think that I'm trying to like advocate for not pro not trying to proclaim the gospel in uh its like fullness. a complete gospel. Yeah. 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 In its fullness. That's not I'm just No, we're
1: wrestling with how do you like when something is so contrary to someone's life and yet like how do you how do you love people who the church seemingly you know, and let's be honest. If you're all a bunch of heterosexuals in a club, and a homo- in a group, and a homosexual wants to be a member, it is easier to disregard that person than to find a way for that person to fit in, right? And mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, that's what Father James Martin is kind of calling foul in the Catholic Church, right? Like, you know, common decency morality that endured in the United States and America was very anti-gay, and most gay people were, you know, hidden from view. You know, the love that dare yeah. not speak its name.
0: And, and and I don't think he's wrong about that. No, stuff. no, like, I, I don't even I I think a lot of the problems that he points out I guess what so like what I don't agree with is are a lot of his answers. I do for the most part agree with his um questions. Questions. Yeah. You know, of like we're not doing enough. Yeah, like when and the I, uh when the
1: the shooting happened at the the gay nightclub um that i can't think of right now in orlando His he you know he of course to me it's like a hobby horse but or not hobby horse but it was like a political move but he yelled at the bishops on social media for not naming that it was a gay nightclub and not standing with your gay brothers and sisters and
0: stuff like that I know that that feels a little bit like that feels a little bit like dirty at times yeah that does like like, come because it's just like i know like it's like Ugh. Yeah, but and the funny thing was he apologized
1: because several bishops had of course in his all-knowing all-seeing you know way he just had no clue that the i think it was the bishop of uh pittsburgh you know was like you know as gay men and women in this club or gay men you know they they had no understanding that you know that day their lives would be a targeted of violence you know so yeah. there were those and he and and then father james i think came out what, was like two days later and apologized and corrected but it's still not enough you know so i mean i'll say that like you're right he is it is very easy to ignore a marginalized group and we if you just say listen go fix yourself and then you can be a part of us whether that's celibacy or you know you know conversion therapy where you're no longer gay pray the gay away right like Uh i i think me and you are totally in agreement there i'm just trying to look around these edges where you know where even in my own life, I've s- softened the moral demands of the church because not that I've like not said them, but like I've not brought them up in areas where maybe they're relevant because I'm afraid to alienate someone from Jesus so quickly, you know? Yeah. Well,
0: do you think there's this rush to get them to communion? Like, do we, like, do we, do we rush this? Uh, uh, I, f- yes and no i was gonna say "Uh, oh yeah but 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 i've talked with people like no yeah go well because there are times where it's like this is a little bit long right yeah Yeah, i just met a guy yesterday who's been in rcia
1: for like two and a half years and he's already baptized baptist and i'm like so you're not in like they just need to get their marriage blessed in the or you know whatever convalidate in the catholic church but they don't have any like marriage impediments other than that and he's been in rcia for years and I'm like, yeah. why are you not, ba uh, Already
0: brought into the church, and he's like,
1: I've been in this program forever. It's like, that, but like, yeah,
0: yeah, like, like, I we don't see a lot of, and like, look, like, I mean, especially as like it relates to, um, LB, LB, GTQ issues. This is something that's very, very like, personal, yeah, for me, for a right whole bunch of reasons, right, right. Uh, right. So I, that I'm not gonna, not that I'm not going to go into right now but like you know this is like family and friends so yeah um uh there's this part of me that's just like i would rather do something where like if they're interested and they want to be around what we are doing instead of trying to like get them to like um, get them quote unquote like into like full communion as fast as we can can we go slower with this can we like yeah you know, while while like like while presenting like the gospel and all of her and all of like her like demands, but not just being like I I, I don't know like it's yeah. just it's I feel like we expect people to become Saint Paul so fast yeah no where it's just like and you're I, blind and then you're on fire yeah
1: and I agree that's just not reality yeah I agree I agree with you there but I I will say the the point of my article was. I'm not seeing that approach from Father James Martin. The point of my article was not yeah, Father James Martin. The point agree. of my article was yeah. how easy it is to slip into this, out of sympathy and accommodation, how easy it is to take to go from Pope Francis' accompanying into accommodating, where you take the gospel yeah. and make it palpable to a world that doesn't believe. You make it carnal. You make it, you know, appealing mm-hmm. to a right it's it's all the wrong things about youth ministry that me and you have talked about right it's like where youth ministry is nothing but fun and games well why is it fun and games because the kids won't come unless it's fun and games and we say no they'll come if it's prayer if the prayer is good and meaningful and deep and rich and true and you present it in a good way and blah 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 what nah i'll get more kids right how many youth ministers have you met whose whole philosophy of youth ministry was nothing other than well um you know, giving them away from bad influences and maybe they'll hear a positive message about Christ down the line, but we're afraid to go that next step. There's a part where that's good, where it's good to have pre-evangelization. Take it easy. You're not trying to get them canonized tomorrow. You're not trying to turn them into St. Paul tomorrow. But there's another part where you're like, but out of sympathy for these people, I'm altering The gospel not really altering even in in its essentials i'm kind of watering down avoiding altering ignoring i don't even know what the right word is this is why it's discussion over instruction i don't even know what the right word is but it's this (laughs) it's this notion of uh i mean i don't want to say watered down because i don't think that that's even what what's happening but i i do think father james martin from what i've seen publicly that he believes the church will change her views regarding homosexuality Uh, gay marriage you know whatever it might be and he is just emphasizing those groups that are positive and gay affirming but also catholic affirming it's like for the sake of the unity of the catholic church we will downplay intrinsically disordered and just call it different differently ordered yeah and it's like yeah Yeah, but if you call it differently ordered then you've obliterated the nature and meaning of sex if you obliterate the nature and meaning of sex you obliterate the role of children, babies and, uh, if for marriage you've obliterated, now you've obliterated marriage. Well, now if you obliterate marriage, you do obliterate the very sacramental sign of God's covenant with his people. So yeah, changing one word might not be that big a deal in one sense, but it becomes one very quickly. And well, especially when you have that kind of a platform too. Yeah, I think that might, you know, that's, huh? I said, you know, and to be cynical and me at my most judgmental, you only have that kind of platform because you're saying these things. Okay. You only, you're a media darling because you're going against the hypocritical, judgmental, authoritarian church by advocating the things that our culture already finds popular. Right? See, that's, that's my yeah. cynical thing. It's like, okay, well. I mean, here's the deal: the idols, or the the golden calf at the foot of Mount Sinai when Moses was up on the mountain. Do you know what they called the golden calf? The golden calf. No, they called it Yahweh. Hmm. It is easy to make an idol and call him Jesus, but it's some—it's an idol. It's a, right. Like I think we. It, yeah, that is a good line. I wish I had said that. That is a good line. Right. It is easy to make an idol and call him Jesus. It is easy. I mean, how many times have you heard like Father James Martin? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought Jesus was inclusive. He didn't exclude anyone. Hell yes, he did. He excluded a lot of people. And they'll, they'll including admit- the apostles. Like, <laughs> he like, even says, Are you going to leave? Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: like, here's the door.
1: Because Jesus is not going to give up truth, which he claimed to be, he's not going to deny his reality. So that some people, I mean, literally in John chapter two, verses like 23 to 26, something like that, it says, um, after the wedding feast of Cana, it said, many people believe many men began to believe in him because of the signs that he had done. Many began to follow him that day, but he did not believe himself to them because they knew what was in man and needed no one to testify to man. So Jesus is saying like, here's a bunch of people who are like, yeah, Jesus, this guy's He's like a prophet or something. Look at all these signs. Bread and or water into wine. This is amazing. And then Jesus is like, I'm not, I'm not believing, my, I'm not letting you believe in me supernaturally. You don't care about me. You don't care about what I'm gonna say. Like, Jesus, that's in the Bible. And there was an exclusion of people who even wanted to believe. Why? Because they didn't want to be disciples. And then the, the very next person you meet, and this is why gender-inclusive language, which I'm actually all for in the Bible but you've got to do it very, very intelligently because Genesis 2, or um, John 2 is like, there was a, you know, Jesus needed no one to testify what was in man for, but and it's all these like male, you know, exclusive gender pronouns. Mm-hmm. But the reason why that matters is because the gospel writer was alluding to the very next verse, which we separate called chapter three, but chapter three in John's gospel was, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. And that's where the whole, born again and all that stuff what did he do he mocked nicodemus left and right okay he did <laughs> He attacked them. Yeah, at one point he says if no one listens to you even to the church in matthew 18 let him be unto you as a gentile and a tax collector like jesus had this understanding this is what it means to be a part of my family now it didn't mean i'm gonna ignore you until you're perfect no what it meant was you come to me and repent of your imperfections, even if you have to repent a million times. Like, what is the meaning of repentance if we're just saying anyone can come, you know, and that's it? It's anyone can come, anyone, even an adulteress, in the very act of adultery, can come to Christ. But you can't then go back to your adultery. He didn't say, is anyone here to condemn you? No one, sir. Good, neither do I condemn you. And then just walk away. He said, go then and sin no more. You can't have one without the other. It's almost like the conservative side, quote unquote conservative, or the rigorous side, says, you know, go and sin no more, right? And then the with the, the impossible ideal, but then the liberal side says, and eh, there's no one to condemn you. And leaves off that last part. It's like, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to liberate you. The conservatives like, man, forget or rigorous, forget about that. They should pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Well, their bootstraps are broken. That's why we need a people together suffering through this stuff.
0: That's why we need groups like Courage. God, I am on my soapbox. <laughs> no, no, this it, is like this is real I mean, again, I really, really hope that people don't think that I'm saying like we shouldn't be. I don't think about anyone courage. thinks that about. Okay. I don't think anyone thinks
1: that about what you're saying because I speak for everyone as well as it's the LGBT community.
0: <laughs> no, well, because it's, it's just a thing that's very like, especially um, them and eden invitation are very yeah. near and dear to my heart i just and I okay well let me give you a phenomenal yeah
1: let me give you a totally separate thing that came up in my inclusion class so the, there's a guy in my class who is super well informed has a lot of rock solid questions and he he comes at me a lot and uh, and i'll be honest this guy exhausts me in all the right ways like he he points out the error, the limits of my knowledge like, all this stuff, he's exhausting. I'm used to having cheerleaders, <laughs> and he is not a
0: cheerleader. And I'm sorry, what? You don't like this, and you're not going to, like, <laughs> buy me beer? Away with you, sir. <laughs> you're not going to support me on Patreon? But,
1: um, so, but me and him have a, a Protestant pastor that we mutually love named Andy Stanley. I remember watching a sermon from Andy Stanley that kind of, like, finished it for me kind of broke the romanticism that i had um when he talked about acts chapter 15 the great council of the apostles um deciding the issue of gentiles becoming christian right and they basically the whole thing was do they become moses followers in order to be jesus followers or is it something else and Mm -hmm. so the the conclusion of the council was okay well this is what they can't do if you're a Gentile Christian, great. Welcome to the fold. But please, we ask you, abstain from, abstain from eating blood, which is a phrase that they use. Um, we would say drinking blood. But abstain from blood, uh, from meat offered to idols, right, and from sexual immorality. And Andy Stanley took that phrase in Acts of the Apostles and said, see, that's all we need to do. We don't need to follow the Ten Commandments this is just like Mm. why do we create all these barriers to people oh you got to get your life right you got to do this you got to do that that's not what anyone's asking all the church asks all the bible asks in the acts of the apostles is avoid meat offered to idols and blood and sexual immorality and so he based all these protestant anti anti like mega church people have been like railing against him and i think rightfully so and uh, so here's my thing. Like, why did Andy Stanley say that? Andy Stanley knows. He has this whole thing about, like, quit saying the Bible says so because most people don't believe in the Bible because of evolution and science and blah, blah, blah. He says, don't say the Bible. Say Jesus says because people will love and accept Jesus. But the Bible, if what if the Bible um, is their obstacle to following Jesus? Right? Hmm. Right so like I think most modern people because we are formed by Christianity we really are as a culture um mm-hmm.
0: even in our that. yeah
1: even in our post-christian ways you know we're departing from it but we're more like Paul than we are Seneca right so this notion of um like there's really a lot that's hard to hate about Jesus and his teachings if you just take the four gospels right and so this Andy Stanley's whole thing is like I can convert a lot of people if I minimize the Old Testament. Because when most people come with problems, right, it's Job and God making deals with the devil to punish a guy just to test him. It's Abraham sacrificing Isaac. It's the ban placed on Jericho, you know, kill everyone, including the children and the livestock. And like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a lot of that stuff. It's not love your neighbor as yourself. No one really has a huge problem with actually, everyone has a problem actually living that. But we at least pay lip service. And so his whole thing is, well, I'll just get rid of it. I'll just tell people that you don't need to do that and believe that and follow that in order to be a Jesus follower. In order to be a Jesus follower, all you have to do is these things. Abstain from meat, which offered to idols, you know, blood and all this stuff. And to me, that's a false accommodation. Right? So you're acknowledging that you're not saying, see, this is the difference is, you're not saying like, "Oh my gosh, this stuff is hard to follow." Like, let's journey here with one another. You're saying, "Don't worry about following that at all. Just find Jesus." Now, Andy Stanley would probably say, "Yeah, but if you follow Jesus, eventually your heart would be softened to follow the commandments." But that's not what he's proposing, and that's where it becomes false.
0: Well, I, I, it, you know, that that kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier on is that like a lot of this stuff comes it comes from a good place of like wanting to say how can we how can we position uh christ in a way that the culture will accept him yeah yes yes as opposed which is which is not what which is kind of like the inverse of what St. Paul does in, in, like, Athens, is that he understands the culture in order to preach Christ. So he basically talks their language. He knows they're into, like, philosophy, and they're, like, into these gods. I'm going to speak in those in those terms as opposed to... Um, so, it, like, he comes from the place of yeah. Christ. Well, I mean, it's kind of... Um, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but, yeah, like... He basically tries to make Christ fit the culture. Sorry, I think what like Andy Stanley's trying to do is trying to make Christ fit the try make Christ fit the culture as opposed to coming from the place of Christ to and to really understand yeah. and then speak to the culture. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you can. I, I, I we don't think cultures are so evil that there's nothing good in them, and so or so good that there's nothing evil in them, right? So when you become accommodating of the culture, like I love this one podcast where it talked about how so uh, morally the church kind of connected with the left wing in terms of immigrants' rights and refugees and all this stuff. But then all of a sudden it found itself being uh, taken to train stations that it was not at all planning on going to, which is like, you know, gay rights and, you know, blah, 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 uh, you know, annihilating of traditional marriage and all these things. But the church kind of got, Along for the ride. And but some of the church people were for that. But the idea is who is accommodating themselves to who? Right? You know, this is the criticism of like uh Vatican II's lumengency or Gaudium et Spez. we always joke that Gaudium et Spez is the most optimistic document in church history because the church fathers, in a way, my only problem with Vatican II, which is next to nothing, is the church fathers of the Vatican council were so optimistic that they, they were opening the windows to the church or to the world of the opening the windows of the church to the world. And as one commentator said, but the world didn't care about what the church had to say. You know, it's like, Hey, thanks for opening your windows. Just become more like us and then you'll be fine. You know? And it's like, is that what we're doing? When does that become not evangelization, but a misplaced missionary zeal? and it corrupts the very gospel you're trying to preach. You might yeah. say, well, what about inessentials? Just get rid of the inessentials. One of our commentators said that. And it's like, yes, but w- we can't just say, well, this is inessential. Like priestly celibacy, you know, the common argument is, well, it's a tradition and a custom, not a capital T sacred tradition. Like you could change. It's like, yeah, but for, you know, 1800, 1900 years, <laughs> priests have been celibate in the West. That's a pretty significant thing, and these secondary things that we can change, sometimes those secondary things exist to preserve the primary things and have entered our faith because they preserve. They needed to be there to preserve the primary things, but because mm-hmm. we're ignorant of history, we don't know, as Chesterton says, we don't. it's not that we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're undoing, and so by getting rid of priestly celibacy, the argument is, you, you might be causing a whole host of things that you're not paying attention to.
0: Yeah. What's really interesting is that you experience that in sports all the time. So what, what do you mean example? by that? Example. Yeah. Okay. So everyone gets really annoyed um, uh, with, uh, with soccer and penalty kicks. And so especially during the World Cup, because when you get into like 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 knockout rounds, everyone is exhausted. They've been playing since like the fall. Now it's like you know, I mean, they they've had like a you know they they're just like tired legs. And so if you if you if you have a if you have a tied game, then they have to play a half hour after. Like after that, hardly ever does it feel like you actually have a winner. Then you have to then because they're just like two. They're just like two. Exhausted, and so then it goes to penalty kicks, which is where everyone like you ha- have like five shots on goal, and it's, and it's incredibly boring. And it's just kind of it's kind of like a crappy way to win because it's pretty much luck for the most part. Yeah, um, for for the most part, um, so w- what everyone always kind of wants is like, why don't we just have like the golden goal, where the first team to score in in overtime wins? So but the the like issue is that they've had that in the past and what like happens is it's very boring because everyone plays defensive. Uh oh. and so what which and so like what you want is people to like attack and like cuz that's like fun soccer is where people uh, uh, like like high intensity fast stuff but instead you get two like people like two like sides who like don't even like move cuz they're terrified to to like you know um they're terrified to to like lose yeah and so it's this it's this kind of like thing where um you think it's a really good idea but we don't ever stop and think well what is this practically actually going to be like yeah that may have been a bad example sorry
1: no but i think it 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 just means that we have no (laughs) it was (laughs) it has no but like think about those things as you know chesterton's line the democracy of the dead that's what tradition is and we, yeah. you know, we talk about traditions, and there are some stupid traditions that we have and some evil traditions that we have, you know. But the idea of um, that, like, we, we ought to have respect for the way things were done because maybe that they've already done all the stupid mistakes that we're just about to start making when we start reinventing shit. And then we're going to end up being like, nah, oh, crap. Like they were right all along. that's why they did the penalty kicks here and instead of the golden goal or whatever, and so, yeah, I think um how long have we been talking? one hour and forty seven minutes i i <sighs> yeah i <laughs> I think about evangelization and what I'm doing in my parish more than I ever have in my entire life since last week. And it was just reading a handful of coincidental articles with this thing. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, my problem is we could accommodate, right, using that, you know, like, it's not just about gay marriage or or homosexual inclinations or desires. It's also about, you know, the use of contraception. Like, Mm -hmm. people have been using contraception for years. Now we're telling them they can't. But I have to have those conversations, and I am with people, right? Like, so you're telling me I'm not married, and I've been married. I've been married for twenty one years you know, and now you're telling me i'm not married, right? I have to have those conversations because they're not allowed to receive the sacraments of the Catholic Church, which they're there for it, yeah. in an invalid marriage, so I don't have the joy of or the pleasure of being like, Well, you know, keep coming to my Bible study for two years and then we'll discuss your marital state. My reality is you're coming for the sacraments, and I have to tell you you can't receive the sacraments because Jesus said. If any man divorces his wife and marries another, causes her to commit adultery, and you know, and if you get remarried, you're committing adultery. Like that's Jesus. That's not Michael Gormley. If it, if mm-hmm. Michael Gormley started his church, it'd be the most pushover church on the face of the earth. All you would have to do is tithe to Patreon.
0: <laughs> but um, do you think it's a problem that like? The people are just coming for the sounds insane, and saying them these words about to come out, like, out of a mouth. It's also uh, it, 1222. Yeah, so. but it's also the reality. I if, Coming for the sacraments. Like, like yeah, like, because, like, again, going back to this thing of, like, like when I when I went through a cate, catechal mass, I saw, like, oh, like, I should be going, like, don't, I'm going to fetishize the eucharist and i should be going i can go like daily mass even if i'm in not in a state of grace yeah like this idea of like if they're going just for the just for the sacraments is that a problem
1: uh in a way it could be but i think in our church we do a good job of so the way i say it is these are the sacraments of the church seven privileged channels of divine grace in your life um we acknowledge your baptism as sacramental, even though your church might not even use that phrase, right? And then, uh, and then I tell them that, you know, you want to receive – I mean, these are most – what I'm talking about are people who are wanting to become Catholic. So they realize that they're coming to a whole new way of being a child of God that maybe they mm-hmm. grew up with. And so I tell them point blank, this is about discipleship with Christ. It's not between you and me. It's between you and God, right? And, and then I tell them, your, your wife's faith or your husband's faith might have got you into the doors of my classroom. But only your own faith will get you into the doors of the church. And it is the job of the parish to not let you in, to literally scrutinize you. I mean, you got to think, in the early church, they literally brought your neighbors who were Christians forward and yeah. said, does, has this man lived a life that, has it, is it demonstrated in his life? Can you imagine they were that? so
0: hard they were so hardcore it's crazy
1: I, it is it is but the scrutiny the scrutiny still exists in the church right it's called the scrutinies but no one does it that way we just say an exorcism prayer or whatever but um so yeah like i have to like we have to do these things and so for me, no, I, no, no. But what I'm saying I, I'm is, saying is so, that you don't. No, 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 What I'm saying is, we have to do these things, meaning the sacraments. That that's what they're going for. So I have to be as upfront as possible, oh, and oh, over oh, oh, and okay. over again, saying, that's what you're saying, "Yeah, like you're you're coming for the sacraments. This is what it means. You're not here because of your wife's faith. You're you're, you're not you're in the classroom maybe because your wife is Catholic. But you, ultimately, you'll get into the doors of the church only if you have demonstrated a living faith in Christ." and a desire to be a catholic i'm not there's no default getting in i do think what you're saying i mean i meet people all the time who are like yeah we think we should just have one religion in the home and so i'm gonna get confirmed in the catholic church you know I've got a lot of southern baptists who are not super mm-hmm. devout southern baptists and they talk like this so i tell them all the time i was like that's neat i don't care I'm like what and i'm like <laughs> it, it's neat like i want you to raise like you promise to raise your kids catholic when you got married if you got in a catholic marriage like Mm -hmm. so you're just breaking your own promises there what i care about is you having yeah is you having a real faith in the living lord because you are Mm -hmm. in the risen christ because you are already baptized you have the capacity to believe in your heart and soul and if you're not activating that in a way that i can see in kind of james chapter two you tell me you have faith Well, prove it to me with your works kind of thing i Mm -hmm. i need to see it I need to see it. And there's only one man that I was going to forbid to become Catholic. And turns out he was just, like, emotionally withdrawn. But I had three or four conversations like, dude, I'm not letting you in. Like, I don't care that your wife really, really super kind of wants you to be Catholic. Like, I'm not Mm -hmm. letting you in. And, you know, he kind of unfurled a little bit more. And I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. But can you
0: um, do you think is is it? possible like to do a thing where it's like um do we need to be so do does their does like their overall membership in the church need to be need to be that dependent on the sacraments or their ability to receive the sacraments not like so like not not their faith but like Is it possible, or do we, like, have stuff where if you've got a guy who, say, he's on his, like, you know, he's on his, like, third or fourth marriage, and he's had a huge conversion, him and, you know, his, you know, current, his, like, current current wife, could it be possible where, for a time being, while they try to get all that stuff hammered out, they can be a part of, like, the parish, they can be a, quote-unquote, parishioner, full-on, like, they believe they go to Mass every week, but they just don't receive. yeah. One hundred percent. I have so many people like that. I would say because like, I, I just feel like that's not talked about a lot. Am I wrong? It's
1: it's also late and I'm tired. No, but, no, 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 no. You're not okay. wrong. I mean, I tell people all the time: come to our Bible studies. Dip your hand in the holy water. Like, come on. Like, be a part of our parish life as you're awaiting your
0: annulment and convalidation to come through yeah. or whatever. Oh yeah. Or or like while or like you know if if you are the practicing, if you know if like you are if you are like an LGBTQ person who like is practicing. Like, sorry, that like, you know, like acts out or whatever. And you're kind of like interested, but you're not really sure. But just to be a part of like the parish, you know, I, I just don't feel, yes. like, I don't, yes. I oh, feel I, like there's yeah. not a lot of that, that that's emphasized within the within the American Catholic Church. It's always all the sacraments something. first. And then, like, once you're able to like receive those, yeah. enter in, then you're a part of everything else yeah i think
1: I, I think that's right but also there's a large part of catholic life where so many people because of divorce and remarriage are not participating in the sacraments but they participate in other aspects of marriage life i've known plenty of people like that i've known people that when they go through rcia their best friends would be like i didn't even know you weren't catholic you do everything you know yeah but they go no, and, and i think yeah no and so i i uh, i don't know how to say that without it coming i mean just think about it right so you're gonna, let's say you're a priest on Sunday, and you're like, I've been convicted by catching foxes. As all our priests are who listen, you say, I'm going to mention something about what Luke just said. How does it not come across as the exact opposite of what you're intending? Listen, are you gay, straight, you know, in an irregular marriage, bisexual, transgender? You're acting out, you're engaging in sexual promiscuity or whatever, but you still want God in your life. We want you to be a part of our parish. I mean, you can't receive communion because you're not in the state of grace. Because you're a
0: heathen. But if you want to.
1: (laughs) Right. So, you know, but like, and then you hear a cultural message, which is they're just haters and bigoted and they don't understand what it's like to have these desires, which I'll be first to admit, I don't. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's the exact same thing of having heterosexual desires as the inverse. But I've been told that's not true by a gay man who said you have no idea what you're talking about when I said that one time so uh that was me trying to be accommodating turns out i'm an asshole um <laughs> it's
0: like it's when it's the I, amdg way <laughs>
1: it's, it's like when uh oh i was watching saturday Night live and it's this kid of shit what, oh i ruined it fat kid fat guy actor funny McLovin movie what is his name Jonah hill jonah hill acting like a six-year-old jewish kid
0: i i watched that the other day that was so freaking so funny,
1: funny. but so when the funny. when the black waiter comes he's like brother i'm down with the struggle i get it
0: <laughs> <You're> like <laughs> oh my god <goodness>. i'm six <laughs> i'm
1: six i'm this many but um <laughs> but you know so funny right so the idea uh yeah i feel like we beat a dead horse i'm so tired right now um but just to let you know. Thanks I- for
0: your listener question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs>